welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, Hour 2. Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here, the Eric Erickson Show. The phone number is 877-973-7425. Should you wish to be a part of this here program, um, would be very happy to have you. Now, if you want to join me for bourbon at a gun range on October 28th to talk politics, meet a future member of Congress, uh, hear a, a briefing on, on politics in Georgia as we head towards the last week of campaigns, I want you to text the word bourbon to 33777. Tickets are on sale now. Uh, you can hang out with me, talk politics, Meet some politicos, listen to them, uh, check out the Governor's Gun Club, the largest indoor skeet shooting facility in the nation, and they have an incredible restaurant and bourbon selection too. So come hang out with me in Kennesaw, October 28th. We got to switch gears here to politics because the Democrats have a closeout message. I assume Philip is listening. This is probably what he's going to want to push out to subscribers of the email. Let me click the record button so he can. Democrats, according to Politico, intend to stake their House majority on preservation of abortion rights. Preservation of abortion rights. You got that? That's going to be the Democrats' message for the House Nate Cohen at the New York Times is saying, well, it's possible they could keep the House. Never say never. Although the odds are they don't. The Republicans have rebounded now. They're ahead in the generic ballot. They tend to do several points ahead. What's going on here and why the hesitation for so many people is no one really knows how the Dobbs decision overturning Roe v. Wade is going to affect things. And Democrats are hanging their hat on the fact that it is really deeply going to affect uh, the direction of the race. I don't really think it is. Uh, in fact, I think uh, it was um, Ramesh Panuru was on television this weekend saying it's it's ultimately going to be an economic decision. The, the politics haven't changed. The, there are no new rules here. In democratic parts of the country, Democrats will still do well because of abortion. In swing states and swing districts, they probably won't because the economy matters. But the Democrats want to make abortion a very, very big closeout message. Even amid, this is from Politico, even amid an onslaught of GOP attacks on economy and the infl and inflation, Democrats are banking that a rollback of rights for half the U.S. population is precisely the dynamic they must stress to voters in the high-stakes election. In both money and messaging, it's where the party is focused in the final stretch before the midterm. And then the Washington Post has a story. Apocalypse Now. Democrats embrace a dark midterm message. Biden and the Democrats planned to run mostly on their accomplishments, but warnings of a Republican dystopia are becoming a bigger part of their message. 
With a tough midterm election about six weeks away, many Democrats have largely settled on a campaign message, and it's not one that simply emphasizes their accomplishments. Instead, it amounts to a stark warning. If Republicans take power, they will establish a dystopia that cripples democracy and eviscerates abortion rights and other freedoms. When you're the end party in the midterms like the Democrats are now and the wind is blowing against you, you have to ride every advantageous breeze you can find, says former Congressman Steve Israel. And the Democrats have found those breezes in the Dobbs decision and in Donald Trump. I don't know if this is going to work, but it's, it's par for the course for the Democrats. You know, uh, campaign modern campaign ads really started in the 1964 election between Lyndon Johnson and Barry Goldwater. This is after Kennedy's assassination. Johnson is running for election, and he's running against conservative Barry Goldwater, who wrote The Conscience of a Conservative. Ghostwritten, my friend uh, Brent Bozell, it was his dad who ghost wrote it for Goldwater, and there have always been questions over whether Goldwater actually read the book. The book's fantastic. But... Goldwater decided we needed to confront communism around the world. And so Lyndon Johnson ran one of the first negative commercials to air on national television ever. What this commercial does is you see a little girl in a wildflower field. And she's pulling petals from a flower. One two, three, four, four, six. She gets lost in the count and she gets to 10 and you hear 10, nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. And as this counting, it zooms into her eye and the eye goes to the pupil and it's black. And then there's a nuclear explosion. This was Lyndon Johnson's ad against Barry Goldwater to scare the bejesus out of Americans that if you elected Barry Goldwater, you would get nuclear holocaust. other or we must die vote for president johnson on november 3rd the stakes are too high for you to stay home barry goldwater's campaign message his motto his theme was in your heart you know he's right that was that was the actual that was uh, george bush in 2000 was help is on the way barack obama we are the change we've been waiting for Bill Clinton was uh, don't stop thinking about tomorrow. Barry Goldwater was in your heart. You know, he's right. 
Lyndon Johnson on the campaign trail turned it around on him and said, in your guts, you know he's nuts. <laughs> it was effective. It, it, I, 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 had I been alive, I would have voted Goldwater, but he lost to Johnson, who ran a fear campaign, convinced Americans that Goldwater would start a nuclear holocaust, would go to nuclear war with Russia. It's what the Democrats tried to do in 1980, Carter versus Reagan. They tried to claim that Reagan would start a nuclear war with Russia. Back to the Washington Post here. A September 9 to 12 Fox News poll found 59% of registered voters are extremely concerned about inflation and higher prices, and those voters prefer the Republican candidate for Congress. In addition, while President Biden's job rating have improved, 42% approve of his performance, 53% disapprove. 42% is an improvement. That's still bad. It's still underwater and could drag down Democrats. Beyond that, the Democrats' newly dark message is a gamble. Biden is trying to draw a delicate distinction by blaming MAGA Republicans and has said he's not talking about all Republicans, noting he can still work with many of them. But GOP leaders say the president is simply calling them all fascist. At a recent rally, Trump suggested Biden was branding Trump supporters enemies of the state, and then added, he's an enemy of the state. You want to know the truth. Still, the current landscape has little modern precedent. I don't think that's true at all. You know, part of the problem with the left in general is that they don't have a good grasp of history. They don't have a good sense of history. They don't want to find historic parallels. They want everything to be new. And I'm hearing more and more commentary from the press that this is new, this has never been done, we've never been in a time like this. I don't think that's true at all. I think this is the economy stupid. This this is the economy. They want to make it about abortion because in the democratic bubble, abortion is the big issue. The hordes of Mordor want to go worship at the altar of Moloch to kill their kids, and they can't believe that nobody else cares about this issue. Everybody must because everyone in their bubble does. They want everyone to be able to kill kids. They don't care about the economy. They don't care about inflation. They care about that issue in their bubble. It's the dominant issue. But that's not the dominant issue in the suburban school where the boy is suddenly on the girl's swim team. That's not the dominant issue where the schools are shut down and your kid has fallen behind. That's not the dominant issue when you've lost your job or you can't find employees and your business is going under. That's not the dominant issue when you can't afford gas in your car. That's not the dominant issue when you can't afford your grocery bill. That's not the dominant issue for most Americans. For most Americans, it remains the economy stupid. And all the belly aching in Washington, D.C. and in the press corps that this is something new. There's no modern precedent. We've never seen something like this. You don't have to look very hard to find precedents. And to suggest the old rules might not apply, I think is just the media's way of trying to keep you interested in the election. Yes, it's true. If Republicans get all confident and decide we're not going to go vote because it's already done, well, the Democrats will win. You still got to go vote. But it looks like if the election were held today, you all would be angry with Washington, turn out and vote Republican. There's a story, I, I didn't even link to it, it's such a nonsensical story. It's, you know, rural voters might not be turning out. Why? Because of the Dobbs decision. They might not go vote for the Republicans. There's so much wishful thinking in this Democratic bubble right now. And the Democratic bubble is reflected of where the press is. And this is why a lot of people on the left if the Republicans do well, 
are going to call cast doubts on the election. And this is something I think everyone needs to understand here. Final point before I, I take a break here on this. When everyone in the Democratic bubble, along with the media inside that bubble, says the old rules might not apply, there is little modern precedent. Women are registering to vote at historic numbers. Rural voters might not come out for the GOP. All that's doing, if the Republicans win, is to set Democrats up to be the election deniers. And the media will back them on this. The media will give them a pass just like they've long given Stacey Abrams a pass up until a hot minute ago when the Washington Post suddenly called her out on it, which just means she's going to lose for sure. The Democratic bubble, the media bubble, it's all the same, and they are convinced that the Dobbs decision to get rid of Roe v. Wade will inspire millions of young women to show up at the polls to vote for their ability to kill their children and that that will turn the entire election dynamic around and will give the Democrats wins. The New York Times, Nate Cotis, just, well, the Democrats actually do have a shot at holding on to the House of Representatives. Meanwhile, there's been a five-and-a-half-point polling swing in Pennsylvania towards Dr. Oz. In Wisconsin, Ron Johnson now leads the polling average. In Georgia, Herschel Walker is seeing Raphael Warnock start to go back up in the polls as the Walker campaign hasn't answered uh, his attack ad, brutal the Warnock attack ad about Walker's ex-wife. They need to respond. I don't know that they have the money to do it, but they need to respond. In Nevada, Adam Laxalt is now in the polling lead. There's been a six-point swing in the polls over the last three months to Adam Laxalt. So even if Herschel Walker loses, and I still think he can win, I just don't think it's as sure as a month ago. I was pretty confident a month ago. Not as much anymore as the polls have shifted back in Warnock's favor. But if the GOP holds Pennsylvania and Wisconsin, which they're likely to do, and Ohio, which they will, and they pick up Arizona, they control, or they pick up uh, Nevada, they control the Senate. They're more than likely going to control the House. Yes, we won't know until Election Day. But my point is that the Democrats have decided they're going to go full attack, dystopia, scare people about the GOP. And it's really hard to scare people about Republicans when you're in charge and the economy's gone to hell in a handbasket with you at the wheel at the ship of state. It's really hard to tell people if you elect the Republicans, it will be so much worse when they remember the Republicans being in charge four years ago and we didn't have all these problems that we do now. It's really hard to cast the other side as some authoritarian dystopian election deniers when you've propped up Stacey Abrams and you've driven the economy into the ground. It's going to be very hard to do. But good luck trying while Republicans focus on crime and the economy and inflation, the issues voters actually care about. But hey, who knows? Maybe the old rules don't apply and there's no modern precedent. And if pigs could fly, well, it would make for interesting times in the air and under umbrellas. So winter is coming. And I got to tell you, I love the weight of the bull and branch sheets. I like them in the summer when it's hot and you don't want a lot of covers on you. But in the wintertime, they're just the perfect weight, the perfect, I don't know, smoothness. They're 100% organic cotton threads. They've got super softness. They get softer every time you wash them. They're just the drape when you're laying down and stuff. They're not, they're just perfect sheets. I love them. Uh, I am effusive with my praise for Bull and & Branch, and I'm delighted to have them as an advertiser. Look, they're made from the highest quality threads. they got superior softness. they got over 25,000 rave customer reviews and counting. 
I'm one of them. The quality you can tell is great. They hold up well after all the washes I've put them through and they just get softer. It doesn't matter what the thread count is of the fiber sucks, and you can tell they put a lot of great detail into the fibers they use. And look, Bola Branch gives you a 30-night risk-free trial with free shipping, returns on all orders. You're going to feel the difference. You're not going to want to send them back. The first 100% organic fair trade certified bedding company ever. They used 90% less water than conventional production, zero pesticides, other chemical, chemical, toxic chemicals. They don't use them. It's just fantastic. Listen, I'm effusive with my praise. I love Bull and Branch. Try them for yourself. And again, you get a 30-night risk-free trial, free shipping, returns on all orders. Try the sheets that will make you fall for the coziest night's sleep in the season where you want cozy sheets. 15% off your first set of sheets. Free shipping when you use promo code Eric, E-R-I-C-K, at BolandBranch.com. That's BolandBranch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, Branch.com. The promo code is Eric. Trust me, they're worth it. We've got five bedrooms, five beds, Bolin Branch sheets on every bed. Well, uh, Gallup has its poll out, and uh, Republicans have a high favorability rating compared to the Democrats. Americans' views of the two major U.S. political parties remains more negative than positive, but the Republican Party's favorability is slightly better than the Democrats. Both parties' images have shifted slightly since last year. The GOP favorability rating is up four points to 44%. The Democrats have slipped to the same to 39%. This latest party image rating from September 1st to 16th Bucks the overall historic trend in which Americans have typically viewed the Democrats more favorably than the GOP. Aside from a single 51% rating for each party in the past decade, for the Democrats in November 2021 and the Repu- or 2012 and the Republicans in January 2020, neither party has enjoyed majority level favorability in more than a decade. Now, partisans like their parties. Republicans like their party more than Democrats like their party. Independents are kind of tied on disliking both parties. Republicans dominate at 57% compared to Democrats, 37%, on which is better protecting the country from international terrorism and military threats. Republicans, 51-41, also hold the advantage on keeping the country prosperous. Now, when you read all of these numbers... Think about the midterms, where we where voters are and how this has shifted. Republicans have a higher favorability rating, 44 to 39. Republicans view their party more favorably than Democrats view their party, 87 to 84. Independents view both parties negatively, but by 57-37, think the Republicans are more likely to keep us safe from terrorism, and 51-41, think the Republicans are more likely to keep us prosperous. That suggests the data is there for Republicans in November. And yes, the old rules do apply. It's the economy, stupid. It's always been that way. Abortion will have an impact in deep blue parts of the country and not a whole lot else anywhere else. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here, the Eric Erickson Show across the nation Glad to have you with me. Uh, For those of you listening in Georgia, 
uh, somewhere near uh, Atlanta, perhaps, or Woodstock, there is a convoy of care being organized by my flagship station, WSB, um, to deliver supplies to Florida. Uh, they're running low on uh, bottles of water and other things. And so there's a convoy of care being organized for people to drop off stuff. Uh, that'll be a truck down there, essentially filling up 18 wheelers, uh, t- uh, trucks and they're hauling them down to Florida. You can donate money. You can donate supplies. You can show up and drop stuff off. If you want uh, text the word donate to three, three, seven, 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 text donate to three, three, seven, seven, seven. I'll send you back a link to the convoy for care details. Anyone nationwide, if you want to donate uh, for our flagship stations effort, they do this whenever there's a natural disaster anywhere in the country, they essentially get a tractor trailer. They fill it up. And when it is filled up, they hit the road and go and they get another tractor trailer truck and they fill up that, that uh, trailer. And when it's full, they go. And they coordinate with local uh, officials to make sure they're not overwhelming. They're going where they're needed. They get supplies. It's it's really a cool effort that they do. If you want to be a part of it, text DONATE to 33777. If you're in the Woodstock, Georgia area, you can uh, drive by and drop stuff off there. If you text DONATE to 33777, I will send you the link. You can read what all they need, what they're looking for between money and the like. Uh, now, uh, I've got to move on to the news of the day. The vice president of the United States has yet again stepped in it. Coming on the heels of her talking about our meaningful strategic alliance with North Korea, she had this to say. It is our um, lowest income communities and our communities of color that are most impacted by these extreme conditions and and impacted by by issues that are not of their own making and, and so women. we absolutely and so we have to address this in a way that is about giving resources based on equity understanding that we we fight for equality but we also need to fight for equity understanding not everyone starts out at the same place and if we want people to be in an equal place sometimes we have to take into account those disparities um, and, and do that work. So they're going to give out resources for the hurricane relief effort based on equity. They're not going to give it out on people who are hurt. They're going to prioritize hurt people based on the color of their skin. That's what the vice president of the United States is claiming. The White House has been scrambling to undo the damage. Uh, By law, they cannot discriminate in hurricane recovery. And she was asked at an event last night, and she's been shooing away. Mr. President, can you clarify what you meant about equity for hurricane relief? She walks on by at the event. Uh, this has sent the Florida governor on the warpath saying this is absolutely appalling. Uh, and his spokesman saying this is not true and that it's causing issues in Florida as her clip went viral. And people started circulating it, suggesting that, well, if I'm white, I, I can't get my hurricane relief. The vice president says it's got to be uh, prioritized to women and non-white people, which isn't true. This is, this is absurdly Uh, awful thing for the vice president to have said to suggest that two people 
who are equally damaged can be treated differently based on the color of their skin. That's what she was saying. Absolutely bizarre that she went there, and yet that's what she did. Now, she's not alone in this. And this is an intriguing one to me. Stacey Abrams is in national news because she lost a court case about the election. Now, a lot of people initially thought this was a lawsuit about the 2021 election law in Georgia. No, 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 no. Stacey Abrams filed a lawsuit after she lost in 2018. She wasn't just a sore loser who insisted she had actually won. She sued. She claimed voter suppression. She claimed um, irregularities. She claimed there were problems with the polling, problems with the procedure, everything she could possibly do to claim that she was a victim of voter suppression and voter abuse and, and on and on. The trial is the longest trial on voting rights in Georgia's history. It's in the top five longest trials for voting rights in the nation's history. The trial went on for 21 days before a federal judge who is a black Democrat appointed by Barack Obama to the federal bench. All of that is relevant, by the way. He's black. He's a Democrat. He's appointed by Barack Obama. You couldn't get a more sympathetic judge to hear Stacey Abrams' case. She has lost the case. She's lost the case. So what did Stacey Abrams do? Well, she declared it a win. She declared, yes, that's right. She declared it a win. Stacey Abrams just can't acknowledge that she lost anything ever. Brian Kemp was asked about this. Well, listen, Stacey Abrams and her group lost on every single count in that ruling Friday. It's sad that since day one, she's used this whole process to line her pockets, sow distrust in democratic institutions and build her celebrity status. And using the legal system for her own political gain, quite honestly, thankfully, Judge Jones made it clear to all Georgians and people around the country that in our state, it's easy to vote and hard to cheat. And look, she's spinning that narrative, Shannon. I mean, we just had record turnout in our primary, not only in the Republican primary, but also in the Democratic primary. And this is the same crowd that calls us an all-star game, saying that the new law that we passed to protect the integrity of vote uh, was suppressive in Jim Crow 2.0, and we've had record turnout. The judge has upheld Georgia's election laws on all counts. A four-year fight. The only thing Stacey Abrams got out of this was Major League Baseball boycotting the state of Georgia. She has risen as a national figure and has collapsed as a political candidate because of it. She peddled a fiction for four years that uh, the race was essentially rigged against her. She would have won, except it wasn't fair. 
And a federal judge who is black, who is a Democrat, who was appointed by Barack Obama, who would be the most sympathetic judge she could get in front of, threw her case out of court, said, you don't have any merit to your arguments. And Stacey Abrams went on social media and declared it a win. I'm not making that up. She literally got on social media and said it was a win. And that as governor, she will continue to champion fighting for people. How is it a win when you lose? Uh, this is Stacey Abrams' MO now. Every time she loses, she says it's a win. She's going to lose in November. By the way, I, I have to say something on this front. Stacey Abrams is going to lose in November. And when I say that now, I get all sorts of angry emails and, and notes online from people say, don't say that, people won't go vote. She's going to win because you're suppressing the vote. I think those people are kind of crazy. I don't mean to insult any of you. But if me telling you Stacey Abrams is going to lose causes you to sit your butt home and not go vote against Stacey Abrams, that's not on me, that's on you. Yes, 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 I realize the polls are a snapshot in time right now. But it is remarkable that at this time in 2018, the governor of Georgia, Brian Kemp, there were polls split, some showing him in the lead, some showing Abrams in the lead. Right now in the polling average, Brian Kemp has a 6.6% lead against Stacey Abrams. That was never the case in 2018. Now, you think that's something. Uh, Ron DeSantis has a 5.4% lead against Charlie Crist. Now, Florida polling is even more unreliable than Georgia, so I suspect it's larger than that. Video has gone viral in Florida of a, a black gentleman in a wife beater t-shirt Overnight, I can't play the audio because it's so profanity-laced. I, I, there are so many F-bombs in it. I can't play it for you. But it is circulating all over DeSantis land. It is a, a black man in a part of Florida that has been ravaged by the hurricane. And the man is saying, I'm voting for Ron DeSantis. He's here. And he points to an emergency responder truck. And Ron DeSantis is on the ground there. And uh, the Democrats are attacking the man. I kid you not, the Democrats are attacking this man for saying that. And now, again, I can't play you the audio because of the man's language. But what I find funny is there's a guy online. I don't want to nutpick him. He hardly has any followers. He describes himself as ex-GOP conservative. And you'll note that when people describe themselves, identify themselves as what they no longer are, those are the people most hostile to it. People who are lapsed Catholics tend to be most hostile to the Catholic Church. People who are former Christians tend to be the most hostile to Christianity. People who are former Democrats tend to be the most hostile to Democrats. People who say they are ex-Republican conservative tend to be the most hostile to Republican conservatives. And he says, uh, this guy replies to Mark Caputo, the reporter, I wonder how much additional context will also blaze around with this. Caputo's tweet was, this video is blazing around DeSantis land. This Arcadia is an hour north of Fort Myers and was significantly inland. Arcadia, he's right. It's an hour north of Fort Myers and further inland. It is also completely underwater. And DeSantis showed up there. 
in rural Florida to take care of those voters. Not a population hub, not a population center. DeSantis and his team went there because those people were suffering. Relief trucks showed up there. And now the media is trying to play gotcha with DeSantis on Fort Myers not evacuating until 24 hours beforehand, giving the order to evacuate. Why do you stand behind Lee County's decision to not have that mandatory evacuation until the day before the storm? Well, did you, where was your industry station uh, when the storm hit? Were you guys in Lee County? No, you were in Tampa. So that's, you know, they were following the weather track and um, they had to make decisions based on that. But, you know, 72 hours, they weren't even in the cone. 48 hours, they were on the periphery. Uh, so you got to make the decisions the best you can. I will say, uh, you know, they delivered the message to people. They had shelters open. Uh, you know, everybody had adequate opportunity to at least get to a shelter within the county. Um, but, you know, a lot of the residents did not um, did not want to do that. I think for probably for various reasons, some people just don't want to leave their home, period. They're island people, whatever. But I think part of it was so much attention was paid to Tampa that I think a lot of them probably thought that they wouldn't get the worst of it. So, you know, they um, but they did. And I think it's um, it's easy to second guess them. But they were ready for the whole time and, um, and and made that call when when there was justifiable to do so. He's not going to second guess these people. And of course, you know, the media attacked him the other day for telling people to listen to their local officials after he told them not to listen to him during covid. The media is playing this game. They've been propping up Stacey Abrams, an election denier, until the bitter end. She's now beclowning herself, claiming that her complete loss in federal court is a win. The media is going after Ron DeSantis. They can't understand how people like DeSantis and Kemp, how Adam Laxalt, how even now it looks like Dr. Oz, they're going to win. Speaking of, speaking of Dr. Oz and John Fetterman, Fetterman was on with Chris Hayes. On MSNBC. Y'all, this is bizarre. We haven't edited this. This is not taken out of context. First, I just wanted to check in and see how how you're feeling and how you're doing. I'm doing I'm doing fantastic. And and uh, it's not about kicking balls uh, in the authority or anything. What do what It, it, it had nothing to do with. What Chris Hayes was asking, uh, Fetterman is also happy to release a first-degree murderer. I'm happy that he's going to be going home to his family, and that even if you're not moved by, again, the morality of having these folks go back home, despite serving sentences that were in excess to what the crime was, um, from a financial burden, that, that's no longer on the state and the taxpayers. There's some question about his uh, Certainly. He was a first-degree murderer. How is it disproportionate to serve a life sentence when it's first-degree murder? This is starting to have a massive impact. Crime is becoming a closeout argument for the GOP that's having a major impact. When you got Abrams out there denying reality, you got the media attacking DeSantis for being on the ground helping people. You've got the Democrats out there trying to say the Republicans will bring on a dystopia in the middle of a crime wave that the Democrats started. It's really hard for them to sell themselves as a closing argument. Now, I I need to talk about the Eden Pure Thunderstorm because I heard a funny story from a friend last night who will remain anonymous. The friend discovered that I've been telling y'all is true about the Eden Pure Thunderstorm. He can smoke a cigar in his truck and then turn on the Eden Pure Thunderstorm and it'll wipe out the odors and no one will ever know. 
It really does work, y'all. I've used it in rental cars that, whoo, people were smoking something in those cars, wiped out the odor, wiped out the odor in hotel rooms, litter boxes, pet odors, smoke odors, you name it. The Eden Pure Thunderstorm works like magic to eliminate bad odors. You can get three of them for less than $200 by going to EdenPureDeals.com, EdenPureDeals.com, and use the discount code ERIC3, E-R-I-C-K-3. You'll get three of them, one for upstairs, one for downstairs, one for your basement or your car or RV. You can use a USB cord to plug it in, or you can plug it directly into the wall. It really does wipe out odors. I actually have used it in my truck with a cigar odor. That was my fault. I forgot I was still holding it. It was lit and got smoke in the car, and my wife could smell it. The Eden Pure wiped it out. It does work at eliminating odors. Get three of them for less than $200. EdenPureDeals.com. The discount code is ERIC3. This hour of the program is brought to you by First Liberty Building and Loan. First Liberty Building and Loan, if you would like to see your business grow, reach out to them. They do big deals, $750,000 and up. Uh, the website is firstlibertyga.com. You can get all their contact info there. Real quick, uh, let me take this phone call from Tony. You're up first today, Tony. Welcome to the show. How are you? Hey, Eric. How are you doing? i got Great. one real quick question in the interest of time. <clears throat> if the economy stupid is the primary concern about the voting people, voting block in general, then why was it when President Trump was president and we had the best economy in the history of this country. More people were working. The stock market was going crazy. We lost the House and we lost the presidency. That's my yep. question. Uh, great question. Uh, because midterm elections tend to be focused on uh, holding accountable the party in power. And while we had a fantastic economy uh, and a, that breeds complacency, it allowed the party that was most angry to go to the polls. And parties with the most anger go to the polls and tend to dominate them. And people were really angry about President Trump's behavior and Republicans not holding him accountable uh, because economic complacency when the economy is good opens the door to other issues. When the economy is bad, it's the only thing people want to talk about. It's the only thing people want to vote on. A good economy allows other things to come in. And so when the economy was good, it's the anger about Trump that could dominate. Uh, it's unfair, particularly because presidents get all the blame for economy uh, and they do get credit. But then Trump was a uniquely polarizing figure in American politics and allowed that anger to flood into the polls from people. And then, of course, with COVID and the economic downturn, uh, the economy mattered much in 2020. Uh, in addition to the personal animus a lot of people had for Trump and didn't want to vote for him over mean tweets, he had all that stuff as well.